Sagemont Church is a gathering of Christian believers in the southeast area of Houston, Texas. Today's message is from our senior pastor, Dr. John Morgan. Today, I'm going to go to a story where the guy is 40 years old. You know, he got a birthday card. Lordy, Lordy, you're 40, okay? And here is the guy. In other words, it's just the scripture is taken. Here's the guy that's too old. He's still trying to look like a teenager and act like a teenager and all that maybe, but whatever. But he's, you know, he's been down the road four decades. He's began to realize some of this stuff that I've been up to really isn't what it was cracked up to be, okay? But this 40-year-old person, God changed him, and in God changing him, he changed everybody around him, including the religious establishment, and a point was made because God changed his lives. And not only does he change you instantly, but he takes you down the path he wants you to go, walking with you, and when you can't handle a battle, he goes before you. When you are tired and wore out, he picks you up, and the, the result is an incredible, incredible story of what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. So, I pray that you'll go out there and get one of those uh, Bibles or two or three, whatever is best for you. They'll explain some more to you. You'll have a notebook where I've listed all the scriptures that I've found. You may find some more, and if so, just add them on there, okay? And, uh, and then you'll turn them back in by the 23rd of March, and then we'll be able to give them to the people during that week, okay? So you'll hear a whole lot more about that, but pray about, Lord, what would you have me to do? Husband and wife sitting and reading the Bible and seeing that could change your marriage. That God's watching, though, he knows every problem you're going through. If you just lost a loved one, read it, read it. Absent from the body, present with the Lord. So it's, it's, a, it's a good thing, okay? Now, we're going to Acts chapter 4. Acts chapter 4. I want you to go there, and we're going to be reading and looking at that verse, uh, these verses in just a minute. They will be on the screen. But I want you to think with me this morning on this subject of what is a resurrection awakening. I want you to think about your life. Has Jesus really made a difference in your life? Or is it religious? Is it just a religious experience? And what would happen if somehow God chose your generation to be the generation that he uses to prepare in the last days the world for the second return of the resurrected Jesus. And so think with me as I try to walk you through these verses and also the comments I will make surrounding them. So let me just lead us in a word of prayer and then we will look at the fourth chapter of Acts and the first 22 verses. Dear God, we ask you now to open up every mind and every heart. We know that your eyes go to and fro throughout the whole earth to show yourself, your living self, strong in behalf of people whose hearts are right with you. And so, Father, when we ask you to come into our life and come into our church and come into our nation, we're sincere about it. We don't want our way, we want your way. And so, Lord, we're weak and we need to be made strong. And we cannot be made strong in our own flesh, but we can by your Spirit. And so that is what we ask for in Jesus' name. Amen. 
Let me just make some opening comments, and you're, you're hearing this, I'm sure, in the Bible study classes here at Sagemont, because we have such a great love for the Word of God and some incredible teachers that are teaching now. They've been teaching since 8 o'clock in all the different rooms that are here. <clears throat> Our Hispanic service on the other side right now will be hearing the Word in the mother tongue of Spanish. Uh, when we start the new services in April, that will be another venue of getting out the Word of God as we are going to be led by Wade and Zach. And uh, we, we know that, uh, that David, as he brings the music and leads out in that, and all that will be added to that is going to be an incredible opportunity. But now I want you to think with me. You know, we live in a day <clears throat> when the forces opposed to the gospel are at work in this world in unprecedented levels. I can only speak for a little over seven decades. But I can tell you that the things that are happening today in our world and in our city and even in our community are gravely different than they were seven decades ago. Spiritual awakening in America is urgent. It's essential and it is urgent. Unless something changes quickly, I want to emphasize the word quickly, all of the census takers and all the serious studiers of the facts have announced in every venue they have, magazines, blogs, emails, speaking, that the United States is within 30 years of becoming a post-Christian nation. Now, that's the bad news. The good news is that what needs to be done can be done. The bad news is that people are dropping out or never coming in but at the same time, the Scripture gives us the good news. The gospel is good news. And the good news is that God is alive. He's still the authority. He's still the power. He can still say, all things are possible through me. If I can get a people to humble themselves and say, we're not on the right track, pray and seek God's face, turn from what's wrong, and magnify what's right, God says, I will come in, I will forgive your sins, and I'll heal your land. But God is looking for that kind of people, and he's having trouble finding them. Let me read to you from 2 Chronicles seven fourteen again. If my people which are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray, seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways. Then I will hear from heaven, I'll forgive their sin, and I'll heal their land. Now in the New Testament, in the book of Matthew, the 28th chapter, we are given a great uh, passage. We call it the Great Commission in religious circles. But let me just tell you what simply it is. Preceded in the passage in the 19th and 20th, at verse, we get a word before we read the rest of this stuff. 
when we're downhearted, disillusioned, and feel like just giving up. Jesus says, all power is given to me in heaven and in earth. In other words, you don't have to work it up. I've got the power. I just need the instrument that I can use. And then he says, all power is given to me in heaven and earth. Now what you're to do is go you therefore, teach all the nations, baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teach them to observe all of the things, now listen to this, teach them to observe all the things that I have commanded to you, and then, lo, I will be with you always, even unto the end of the age. It has not been that long ago when Brother Wade came and Brother Roy Gale before him and introduced to our church of uh, the unreached people groups that are out there. More than 3,000 never heard the name of Jesus. At that time, an attempt was made to go and get the message out, and that is still going on. The good news is progress is being made. Many of you have been on some of those trips because of your faithful giving to our our mission offering this past uh, month has enabled us to keep planning and keep sending and keep providing funds for others to go and carry the gospel to these unreached people groups so that this year even more will hear for the first time because that's one of the signs that, that, that will happen before the resurrected Jesus of Easter returns in the second coming of Christ that in that time the gospel will be preached to the entire world. Now we're making progress in that. The power is coming. The financial needs are coming as God's people give as God prospers them. But the focus has got to be on the right thing. The focus has to be on getting the gospel to the world starting in Jerusalem, which is Houston, Texas, for us. And if we don't do that, then we are indeed in serious trouble. You know, there's another study of the Bible that uh, another pastor friend of mine, he and I were talking, and he told me something he was doing. I said, I'm going to join you now. I'm going to start doing what you're doing. He's studying the questions in the Bible, the questions people ask God, and then the, and then the questions God asks the people. I want you to think about that. Are you truly the Son of God? That'd be a question you might find in the Bible. God would say, well, why call me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I command? You know, we can play this question game, you know. If you're really the son of God, then why don't you do whatever? How exciting it is to know that God's got this all figured out. It's all planned. He said, I got the power. I got the person. The Holy Spirit's still alive. The Holy Spirit's wanting to live through the lives of those that will commit to him. I will make my way clear. I'll give you the power to do it. But I need the volunteers. Now, in this story, if you will turn over, to, uh, that, or, or if you'll look again at that fourth uh, chapter, you know, it took 40 years for Moses to lead the children out of bondage. Now, I don't know if you've ever been over there with Brother Stewart, but if not, you need to go. It really shouldn't take that long. And why did it take 40 years to go on that short trip? Well, the problem was not getting them out of, out of Egypt into the Promised Land. It was getting the Egypt out of the people and getting God back into the people. That's what took 40 years. 
not the geographical location of going from the bondage land to the promised land, but there was so much of the world in those people that you couldn't let them have a day by themselves. They weren't just party animals. All they wanted to do was just party, 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 and eat, drink, and be merry, uh, and be immoral, and everything else. But God had to clean up his people if he were going to use them. Now, for us, that's relevant. God's got a lot of work to do, folks. I mean, some of us, we, we, we seem to be very, very good at, at uh, coming in and worshiping God on Sunday, but we don't want to serve him on Monday. It seems easier, as hard as it is sometimes to come out in the weather, it's still easier than it is to serve the Lord the next day. So here is a story in the book of Acts, Peter and John, to the scripture says, ordinary, unlearned, uneducated guys are, are pictured in the story, but there's a man who is now 40 years old. People have been watching him for 40 years. It is in that setting where two bold men, Peter and John, take a stand in a generation where the religious people, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, had turned against the resurrected Lord and had abused their power, and religion had replaced a personal relationship with God. So these men come into the story, and as they do, I want you to look at it with me again, uh, either on the screen or in your Bible or on your phone or whatever. And let me read it to you slowly. <clears throat> now, as they spoke to the people, the priest, the captain of the temple, and the Sadducees came upon them. Now, this is talking about Peter and John. All the religious people came against them. Being greatly disturbed, now look what they were disturbed about, that they taught the people and preached in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. And they laid hands on them. They put them in custody until the next day, for it was already evening. However, many of those who heard the word believed, and the number of men came to 5,000. 5,000 men decided that day, that they would start serving the living God. And it came to pass on the next day that their rulers and elders and scribes, as well as Annas, the high priest, and Caiaphas, Caiaphas, John, and Alexander, and as many as were of the family of the high priest were gathered together in Jerusalem. And when they had set them in the midst, they bring these guys in, they're going to be a trial, they're going to hold them accountable, they're going to be subpoenaed, to come and give an account of what they're doing. The question was asked, what power, by what power, or by what name have you done this? This crippled man had been made whole. This crippled man that they had seen crippled all these years, all of a sudden was made physically alive and well. And they saw it with their eyes, and they could not understand what is going on. Then Peter filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers of the people and elders of Israel, if we this day are judged for a good deed done to a helpless man, by what means he has been made well? Let it be known to you all and to all the people of Israel, now listen to this, that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man stands before you whole. 
This is the stone which was rejected by you builders. He was just cast out. But look, which has become your chief cornerstone. All of a sudden, Jesus is getting proper attention. Nor is there salvation in any other, for there's no other name under heaven given among men which we must, by which we must be saved. Now, listen to this. When they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men, they marveled and they realized that these two men had been with Jesus, the resurrected Jesus. And seeing the man who had been healed standing with them, they could say nothing against it. But when they had commanded them to go aside out of the council, they conferred among themselves, listen, what are we going to do with these men? What shall we do with these men? For indeed, that a notable miracle has been done through them is evident. Everybody that dwells in Jerusalem, and we cannot deny it. Now that's, that's these religious leaders that have no spiritual power saying, something happened to that guy. Something changed about him. I don't know what it is, but I don't understand it, but it, it took place. And they called them and commanded them not to speak at all, nor to teach in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered and said to them, Whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you more than to God, you judge that. For we cannot speak the things, but we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. So when they had further threatened them, they let them go, finding no way of punishing them. Now why? Because of the people, since they all glorified God. For what he had done. Then the footnote, for the man was over 40 years old on whom this miracle of healing had been performed. Now you understand the story? Do you get the picture? The mayor wanted him to come in, like Houston. I'm going to call you preachers to account, like Houston. Wait a minute. There's a power greater than City Hall. There's a greater than Washington, greater than, than Austin. All power is given to him in heaven and earth. Now, you can't be politically correct, but you have to be humbly honest. I am not my own. I'm bought with a price. When you read those Bibles, you will see over and over again those prophets, every single one of them. God said, I've looked for somebody, I can speak in their ear, and they'll speak it out of their mouth. And that's all you've got to do. You tell the people what I tell you to tell them. That's called God-called preachers and teachers. That's what that is. But here in this story, that the power comes from a resurrected Lord Jesus. Now, that Lord Jesus, according to the Scripture, changes people's lives. Now, I'm fixing to do something. The first time I ever did it was an hour ago. And it took me till about two hours before that service to decide I'm going to go on through with this. And so I'm not going to leave you out. I'm going to make you be a participant at this point in the sermon, and it'll help me cut off about 10 minutes at the end. And all the people said, Amen. <clears throat> the thing that changed... Everything in this story was the testimony 
of a changed life. It wasn't the preaching of the scripture, as, as important as that is. It was not the organization or the creativity of the religious crowd. It was the power of the Holy Spirit that this man's life changed. Now, here's what I'm going to ask you to do. All over this building, and even if you're watching on the streaming, you can do this wherever you are because the Holy Spirit will see you. If Jesus Christ is who he said, if he is alive, and if you invited into your life a living, resurrected Savior one day, and that day when you invited him to come into your life, something changed. It was so evident that not only do you know something changed, but everybody that knew the old you and knows the new you would testify in your behalf in a court of law something happened in that person's life that day when Jesus came into their life. And old things passed away and all things became new. Sometime in your life, not what do you believe up here, but what happened in your life. If you today would give a testimony to everybody in this room and those that are watching around the world on television through the streaming, would stand to your feet and say, what a wonderful change in my life was wrought when a resurrected Jesus came into my life. It changed my life, my family, my friends know it, people know it. I want you to just stand. Or if you can't stand, raise your hand, okay? Now there's the evidence, folks. It's not just the book. Here's the proof. We are to be living proof of a loving God to a watching world. That's what will change our world. It's when God's people that are called by God's name will humble themselves and pray and seek the face of God and turn from anything in our life that will change that. Amen? You understand? You may be seated. God bless you, and let's praise the Lord for who he is. Now, the good thing about this is if you couldn't stand, you can before this day is over. You can. All you've got to do is just take that moment in your life and say, God, have mercy on me, a sinner, and save me. And I'm, I'm beyond unlearned and uneducated. I'm ugly and broke and confused and mad and somewhat drunk. I'm coming out of it, but I, Saturday night was bad. <laughs> Let me tell you something. Jesus takes you just like you are and make you what he wants to be because he's alive. He doesn't practice medicine. He's the great physician. He can touch you and make you whole. He can comfort you of all of your afflictions. You see, it says in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, Therefore, if anyone in Christ sees a new creature, old things are passed away, and all things have become new. Listen to Luke 19 and 10. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. Not just from their past sin, but to give them power to overcome temptation. You see, one of the things that helps us, the younger you give your heart to Jesus and he comes to live in you, the better you can handle the onslaught of the devil when he comes against you. He's always coming. He's always wanting to knock your feet out from under. He's always wanting to destroy everything good in your life. But he that's in you is greater than he that's in the world if he is alive. And he is alive. And he's sitting at the right hand of the Father and the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit that is in you coming together no weapon that forms against you shall prosper because this is the inheritance of the blood-bought, born-again saints of the resurrected Lord Jesus. 
As we continue to read this book of Acts, this impotent man who was made whole, everywhere he went amazed people. They couldn't believe it. They could not believe it. A few moments ago, I met a man that was a very close friend of Todd Herring. He knew Todd when he was growing up. Todd Herring was the heavyweight champion of Texas boxer for 17 years. He fought for the world heavyweight title in professional boxing against Floyd Patterson, Stockholm, Sweden. We saw Todd Herring leave his chair three rows back and stand at the front of the altar of this church in the HRA auditorium and give his heart to Jesus Christ. And when that man got saved, the Houston police said he's the meanest man to ever live in the city of Houston. When that man got saved, God changed his life like that. Everybody that knew him, from the mob to everybody else, said, unbelievable, 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 unbelievable. How could that happen? Did he go back to college? No. He just took it where it was and went on with it until in his middle 50s he died suddenly painting his mother's house. That's not what heavyweight champions do today. They don't paint their mother's house. They might pay somebody to paint it, but they don't do it themselves. What happened to these people that stood can happen to you. And so as we look at the scripture here, it says the watching world, they were mesmerized. At God changed him in every way. His attitude, his physical life, he's walking now, but the religious community was confused. They'd not seen that. They'd been going to church every Sunday. They'd been doing all their stuff. But they had never, ever, ever seen what they saw when God touched that 40-year-old man. They could see themselves, the religious community, losing control. These people are going to start following Jesus. They're going to start reading their Bible. They're going to start searching to know God personally. And we don't want them to know God personally. We want them to know that we know God and we'll tell them what God wants them to hear. No, no, no. When we read these articles today, and they're being written in all the magazines or all the Christian magazines somewhere alluding to this, there's so many statistics out there. Did you know that two and three evangelicals that are 20 years old will abandon their faith by the time they're 30. That's 20-year-olds today in America. That's what the statistics are showing. Two-thirds of those will never return that abandon their faith unless something happens in the way of a spirit-filled awakening. Between 2005 and 2027, 5 million young Christians are going to leave the church. 3.4 million will never return unless something happens. Why? Oh, you could make a list of, of 100 reasons. The attitudes of leaders in secular universities, professors and schools that make mockery of this book, make mockery of the resurrection, of the, the social media, the entertainment world, the drugs, the alcohol, the epidemic of immorality, the anti-God decisions that are made in our various legal places. The compromising messages, though, from the pulpit is probably the biggest drawback. It is not popular to preach, thus saith the Lord. And people today believe in the masses, the masses, that I want to be a part of the growing groups. 
rather than I want to humble myself and follow God. The priest and the captain of the temple, the Sadducees that controlled it, were greatly disturbed. People were being exposed to the power of a resurrected Jesus, and it frightened the organized religious group. But you see, when religious people start blending with the secular and the political world, then they get threatened by hearing the inerrancy of Scripture taught, preached, or lived out. There are many subjects that the Bible is very clear on that most ministers have to tiptoe through. Whether it has to do with ordaining women, condoning of sin that the Bible condemns, that emphasis on Bible doctrine and seeing that it's irrelevant, bringing up issues about what is a marriage and what isn't a marriage according to the Scripture, you better watch out and you better beef up your security because the world has turned against this book. And by turning against this book, they've turned against the one that wrote this book. But the power is still in the book. The power, that's the reason people can't stand to hear it, to get up and walk out and leave. They don't, I don't want to come. I don't want to go to that church. I want to hear that. Turn that off that channel. Who got that? Get that junk off there. What, what, what are you worried about? If there's no power in it, what are you worried about? Well, verse 3 says they laid hands on them. But I like that. But 5,000 men believed. What would happen if every man in a church said, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord? By the way, when you're 40 years old, you're old enough to know a little bit about, you know, raising kids. Now, when you're 20 years old, you don't have a clue. You don't have a clue that one night you're going to put them to bed normal, they're going to wake up crazy, you know. And that's not a put down. I did that and you did that, so quit looking so spiritual. But when you got a 40-year-old person that's, that might have a 20-year-old at home, they've been through it. They know what it's like to do all that. They know the power and the draw on a teenager today. But when you can get 5,000 men that are in their 30s and 40s to rise up, O men of God, and as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Watch out. Watch out. When their children begin to see my daddy's changing, my daddy's walking with God, my daddy's different than he's ever been. My daddy and mama get along like they've never gotten along. My daddy leads the way to church. My daddy is my example. He's my hero. Wow. Man, good things begin to happen. So right in the middle of life, and I don't know what the middle of life is, you know, Jesus, the middle of his life would have been when he was, what, 15, 16. I don't know when midlife is, but I do know this, that God wants to take people, live in their life, and let the world at all say, what in the world got into him? What in the world got into her? Jesus, the Holy Spirit, they're not what they want to be. They're not what they ought to be, but they're not what they used to be. They've changed. I could tell you the stories, looking around in this auditorium right now, if you had the time until dark, of people I can look at right in their eye 
and say, I knew them before Jesus. And I've seen it. That's one of the good things about being in one place a long time. You can see how God can take a marriage that isn't worth nothing and make it one of the strongest marriages in a church 20 years later. People that young people go to to say, help me, I understand. You don't have one of those storybook marriages, but you had problems, but God changed your life. That's what it's all about, folks. Verse 7 says, by what power, by what name have you done this? Well, what was the name? Jesus. 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 If there's no power in the church today, there's no God in the church. If we don't have any financial power, as our church went through in 1975, if God cannot provide what he wants, then we'll do without it. And God began to financially bless our church in incredible ways. If we, if we don't have any power in going off after other doctrines and following the fads of people and, and saying, if, who cares about those people in the uttermost part of the world, starting right here in Houston and then Jerusalem, after Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost part of the world? Why don't you change the course? Why, why don't you come and just be a social gathering where the community gets stronger and stronger with each other, that only can happen when we get stronger and stronger with him and then he brings us together to go out and bring others in in order that they too might hear the love and the power of God. When you look over in this baptistry and you see tears coming down, seven-year-old this morning, tears just pouring out of her little eyes, Brother Jim Hastings says, and, and I forgot her name, I think it was Ramona, but she said, Ramona is seven years old. She looked up at Brother Jim and tears just come down. She said, I'm going to be eight tomorrow. <laughs> so he changed it to eight, almost. But we see grandmothers doing the same thing. 80-year-olds, 60-year-olds, 50, 40, 30, right on down. Why? Why? How can you not get emotional when you're born again, when the old has passed away, forgiven and forgotten, why can't you get excited about that? We all can, even when you're seven. I think the worst thing I ever did was cut up when my daddy was preaching for a while. My mother straightened that out, <laughs> thanks to the gardenias that used to grow in Pasadena outside of the First Baptist Church. But Lord help us today, they'd arrest her. <laughs> but you know, folks, seriously, as we close... When you look at this story, the re religious community gets real shook up. But God's people, which are called by God's name, get excited. Because they realize once I was lost, and now I was found. Matter of fact, I think they were singing, Just as I am without one plea, but that thy blood was shed for me, O Lamb of God, I come, I come. Boom! I didn't even wait till the second verse. I was down there at that altar, and Jesus changed my life. Listen to Wade's testimony. Listen to Zach's testimony. Listen to David Gentile's testimony. Listen to Stuart Rothberg. Listen to Chuck Snyder. Listen to Roy Gale. These are your leaders here in the church on the staff, if you're our guest. Get them to tell you the story when Jesus came. Old things passed away, and all things became new. And he took you right where you were and leads you to where he has for you to go. Wherever he leads, I'll go. I'll take up my cross. I'll follow him. 
But because he's alive, he's a leader. And wherever he leads, I'm going. And one of these days, we too can say, even so, come quickly, Lord Jesus. When that last person has heard the gospel, the trumpet will blow and the resurrected Jesus from descent, will descend from heaven with a shout and the voice of the archangel and the trump of God. And listen, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. And then those that alive and remain shall be caught up to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. No more funerals. No more sorrow. No more crying. No more pain. Because the former things are passed away. Because there is one. A born of a virgin. Lived a life of perfection. Laid his life down to meet the requirements of the Father. That all sin had to be paid for. And rather than us pay for it, Jesus paid for it. But then he was crucified on Friday. But on Sunday morning, he rose like he said. And 40 days after that, he ascended to the right hand of the Father. He is there right now. Listening for people all over the world. And they will be coming by the thousands from China, Korea, Thailand, Folks, they're coming literally by the millions to Christ in all of those countries that used to be in the darkness of sin. Lived that way for centuries. And now there's a spiritual awakening taking place while in America, the land of the free, the home of the brave, where the poorest person in this building would rate as one of the wealthiest persons living today, are going down like this because we've chosen the gods of this world instead of to follow the resurrected Lord. Now the choice is ours. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. The clock ticks. None of us know what another day is going to bring. <clears throat> but I can tell you for sure, when God shows up, things will change. He'll change. Now we've gathered in his name, and so he's promised to be here. Now, that doesn't mean that everybody senses his presence, but those that want him to, to, to reveal himself to them, he says, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord, I will come to you. I will weep with you, and I will rejoice with you. But you've got to extend the invitation. I do not force myself on anyone, Jesus says. But I died for you. I had a plan for you. You're not in that plan right now. You've, you've decided that you'll just take what's available to you and use it like most people are using it in this world and rather use it for my good. You've used it for your downfall. But if you'll come to me, I'll still love you and forgive you. I've still got plans for you. And they're not to do you harm, he said, but to do you good. So while our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed, if you're here today and you'd say, Pastor, I don't know a lot about the Bible. I do know a lot about my life, the way I feel, what I do, how I do it, how I feel after I do it, when I'm doing it, and on and on. I, you know, I guess I'm a normal person, but I really don't know what it means to walk with God. I don't know what it means to repent and turn and not just follow the crowd. I want so much to be loved. I want so much to be accepted. I want so much to be wanted. I want so much to be needed. Listen, that's what God's looking for. People that are, they want to be loved, they, they want to be needed, they want to have a purpose. They don't have to go out and look for work. 
but God has it and will literally bring to them the open door that nobody can shut. If you're here today and you'd say, Pastor, I couldn't stand with those folks a while ago. I, I, I didn't even know what it meant. What a wonderful change in my life's been wrought. Jesus has never been fighting in my heart, but I want to today. In these last few seconds now, I want to pray, and then we're going to have to go. But would you today just lift your hand and say, Pastor, as you lead in a prayer, I just want you to know there's one out here that's going to pray with you. And I lift my hand to God and say, God, come near me now. I want to whisper a prayer to you. And I want to lead you in a prayer. Would you just slip your hand up right now? Whether you're young, old, doesn't matter. God bless you. God bless you. Just lift it up. Now, this is, this, this is personal. God bless you. God bless you over here in the, in the terrace on the left. And over here, I see a lot of men lifting their hands right now. Just a moment. Now, just for you. I may have missed your hand, but God won't miss it. He saw it before it ever started up. He saw your heart. But I just want you to have a moment. Just do something. Say, I'm, I'm in on this. I'm going to pray. The Bible says, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. God bless you, ma'am. I see the hand, okay? Now let's pray together up in the terrace. God bless you. Dear God, pray this prayer with me. Dear God, I lift my hand because I am opening my heart to you. I want a new start. I want to be made whole. I want the rest of my life to be different than the first part of it's been when I just did the best I could and what I had to work with. But God, I am now yours. I invite you to come in to my heart. Forgive me of my sin. I accept you as my Lord and Savior. I want to be baptized. I want the people to know that I'm drawing a line today in the sand that this is the first day of the rest of my life. I want to be saved, forgiven born again. I repent and I receive and I call upon you in Jesus' name to save me. Amen. We pray that today's message has brought you to a closer relationship with Jesus Christ. Join us Sundays at 9.30 and 11 a.m. at Sagemont Church in the Worship Auditorium. For more information, check us out at www.sagemontchurch.org.